You've got a lot to think about when you're filling up your grocery cart. There's what you're planning to make for dinner, that resolution you made to eat more vegetables, and of course, inflation. But do you ever stop to ponder how much single-use plastic is in your weekly grocery haul? An art installation on view in Ann Arbor aims to make the issue of plastic waste a little more digestible. Uh, So here we are at the bakery. Um, We have several colorful sheet cakes. Um, We also have a a flourless chocolate cake uh, that is, you know, brown plastic bag uh, melted uh, over some cardboard with some red caps and some powdered sugar. Today on the show, one artist's cheeky take on the problem of single-use plastics through art. We're also going to talk about Michigan's efforts to get on top of one source point in particular. This is Stateside. I'm April Baer. A little bit later, we're going to find out what's going on in Lansing with the bags a lot of us use when we go food shopping. But first, let's go back to the plastic bag store. That's the exhibition that we were just talking about. And the voice you heard describing those scrumptious, completely inedible baked goods was Brooklyn-based artist Robin Frohart. She created the store originally in New York, and she brought it to Michigan for a few weeks to kick off No Safety Net 3.0. That's a festival that uses contemporary art and performance to talk about the issues of our time. We recently stopped by to get a sneak peek and chat with Robin. So for those who are experiencing this through their ears at first, would you acquaint us with some of the fine offerings at the plastic bag store? Yeah, so we're inside the plastic bag store, which looks a lot like a regular grocery store, except for everything is made out of single-use trash. So plastic bags, caps, lids, straws, things we pulled out of the waste stream and, and sculpted into produce and meats and veggies. Um, and we also you know, designed a lot of our own satirical packaging and, and stuffed boxes full of bags. And so it's a very colorful place that looks very real in the beginning. I mean, the range is truly astonishing. Maybe we could start with the fresh produce. Yeah, sure. I mean, this looks pretty real when we're standing <laughs> 10 feet away. Yeah. And then we get closer. Can, what, like, what are some of the fruits and vegetables yeah, you made so for Yeah, so we us? have tomatoes um, and onions. And, you know, these are just, the tomatoes are red plastic bags, you know, with a little bit of green as the, as the stem. We have some berries, or as I call them, baggies. So there's, like, these plastic berry containers, which I despise so much. Um, and then we filled the them. The clamshells. Yeah, we filled them with different colored bags. So these are ras baggies, blue baggies, <laughs> black baggies, um, all filled with the appropriate color. Um, these are potatoes, which are mostly bags from Home Depot because those are brown, <laughs> all taped up to look like uh, liked potatoes. We have carrots, sweet potatoes, um, garlic. Uh, the garlic is, there's little packing peanuts in here, so it looks kind of like a garlic bulb. Uh, this was like an old, con- the carrots are made out of a construction tarp I found blowing around in the wind. Uh, and then we also have beets, sweet potatoes. Yeah, and then we have a bunch of items on the shelves that are all labeled and packaged that look kind of familiar. So we have several different brands of chips, and we have cereals and sodas and crackers. I enjoy all of the products that you made for the plastic bag store, but I feel like the real genius starts to come in with the the prepared foods in the in the part of this part of the grocery. We have uh, yucky shards, cereal, caps, and such. Looks an awful lot like Captain Crunch. Shredded waste in place of shredded wheat. Bits, crackers, bits of plastic crap. 
I mean, it's all here. Yeah. <laughs> it was very fun to come up with 100 million bag puns and jokes. <laughs> yeah, and so all of like the cereal boxes, uh, you know, they have all the ingredients listed on the back. They have games you can play, and you, know, you shake the box, and it's like actually full of of yucky shards. Yucky shards is what it says. You know, there's the ingredient says part of a toothbrush, a broken pin cap, half a comb, a bread bag tab, a stir stick, uh, and then of course monosodium glutenide and riboflavin and fully hydrogenated corn syrup and palm oil. It's all here. Yeah. Like seriously, how many individual products are in the store? Do uh, you know? I think thousands if you count all of the, the flowers and egg cartons and uh, water bottles. Uh, yeah, it took us, you know, quite a while to amass this much plastic. I was going to cr congratulate you on conceiving of an installation using the most read readily available and cheapest medium that artists in America have available to them today. But was that really the case? I mean, did you find you were able to get the plastic that you needed in quantity for the incredible scale of this installation? Uh, yes, unfortunately, it was quite easy to find. I mean, definitely certain colors are harder to come by, so uh, I'm always on the hunt for good reds and, and pinks and oranges, some of the rarer colors to make, you know, some of the produce. I couldn't help but notice um, in, a, in all the attention to detail, there's even a package of Polska Kielbagska oh, yeah. <laughs> with what I thought was a regional Michigan brand, Kowalski. It, it's a play on the Kowalski's yeah, yeah. name and label. I mean, are you actually adjusting this installation yeah, so every time you move we it? We make local products everywhere we go. So that one we actually made when we were in Chicago. Um, and then for Michigan, we have uh, Baggio uh, Red Bag, which is a, a, a play on... on Fago red pop soda. So we have the red and the blue f flavors of Baggio. And then we also have a specific brand of ice cream that's a play on straws, but it's just straws. I feel so seen. <laughs> Thank you. Robin, did you design this as an, as an exhibition that would travel? Uh, it was always my hope that it would travel. I, you know, I, we premiered this in Times Square in 2020, and, and we've taken it to Chicago and Austin and Los Angeles and Adelaide, Australia, and now Ann Arbor, Michigan, um, and we will continue um, to do that. You know, We normally go for a to a place for about a month at a time, and each space that we're in is a completely new configuration because we're in a storefront or industrial space You know, that, where you might find a grocery store. Um, and so it's, it's new and unique every single time we do it. It. And, and each community uh, has you know, relates to it and, and feels it, and it's been it's been fantastic to expand our our impact and, and spread it around. Okay, I hate to be that guy, but obviously you've used a, you've reused a ton of single use plastics for this project, but at the same time you printed up dozens, maybe hundreds of cereal boxes and labels and other kinds of things. Do you have a sense of of maybe how much you actually put out into the world for this installation that's about single use? Yeah, well, I haven't put out any into the world. I own it all and it's still in here. <laughs> it's not in the trash. Um, we did print new boxes because I really thought it was important that the, I, that this installation felt very much like a real grocery store, but all of those, I, all of those boxes are full of real plastic trash. So everything in that way is completely uh, involved in a single use this is all this is all garbage it's all filled with garbage it's all part of garbage for sure 
Um, the last work that you that you produced before this was uh, it was a it was a project called the the pigeoning, and it was it was a very different kind of work, both in terms of the form and in terms of the thoughts. Um, so let's take that let's take those things one at a time. How long had you been thinking about doing something about single use plastics? Was this an idea you'd been sitting with for a while? Uh, well, yeah, this is a this is an idea that I've had. Um, for quite some a long time ago I had the idea to just make a grocery store that just sold packaging and it was going to be this elaborate one-liner but actually the plastic bag store is a lot like the pigeoning in that there is a very rich narrative puppet show that fits inside this so what we're standing in now actually transforms into a theater and the audience experiences a play that's a lot of it is shown in, in film, so it's this elaborate, immersive film project. So there are hidden rooms and secret spaces, and so when you come to the plastic bag store, you're not just coming to see this fake grocery store, you're going to be involved in about an hour-long immersive performance. What kind of reaction have people had walking through and, and then sitting through the, the, film, the film narrative part of the piece? Um, uh, delightful and terrifying is <laughs> a review I get a lot. <laughs> um, you know, the 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 show itself is is very funny, but it's also kind of touching and moving. Um, and it's not. I, I have no. I'm not really interested in like over, overwhelming people with a lot of terrifying like numbers or uh, facts about how much plastic is going into the ocean or, you know bumming people out with just images of turtles choking on plastic bags because like I tend to just swipe right past that stuff because I can't absorb it um so my hope is that this is a, like a more fun engaging way to think about this kind of stuff it's not just about shaming us uh, you know it, it's a it's a deeper more introspective more funny way to hopefully think about something that can feel just too overwhelming so you've had a pretty long arc with this project and obviously had a ton of time to think about this. I mean, were there any ways that you started relating to plastic differently in your own, in your own life as a result of this? Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> definitely. Uh, well, I have a different relationship to it than a lot of people because I'm, I'm collecting it, <laughs> too. Um, so I'm, and as an artist, I have become kind of attracted to its aesthetic qualities, um, you know, and I, I, see, I see a certain kind of bag on the street or a certain color, you know, I'm going to, like, stop and grab it. Or, you know, if I see someone with a, a specific color of bag, I'll ask if I can have that. So I'm kind of a collector. So I sort of hate and love it all at the same time. Um, but yeah, sometimes I feel it can feel overwhelming because I feel like I'm responsible for all of the pack, all of the plastic that crosses my path. Like if I don't find a way to make art out of it, I've failed <laughs> in some way. Um, and I'm trying to alleviate myself of that pressure, but um, sometimes, sometimes it does feel that way. Well, how did you, I mean, we talked a little bit about, you know, how much you needed and that there were certain things that were easy to get, but can you just talk about how you compiled everything you needed to make this? Yeah, I, um, I collected from my roommates, from my building, uh, from my neighbors, from my friends, you know, from the trash, uh, you know, kind of all over the place. It was an all out effort. I mean, it took me a while to figure out not to save absolutely everything, <laughs> um, but how to pick specific brands that I was going to recreate. Um, I also asked people, because I needed multiples of things, I asked people 
if there was something that they used regularly, if they could start saving it for me so that I could have multiples. And in that process, people were like, oh, wow, okay, actually, <laughs> I, I realized how much of this I was using by saving it. So, like, if you had the same green juice every day, you might not think about it if you're constantly throwing the bottle away. But if you look after 10 days and you have 10 green juice bottles to give me, um, that makes you think differently. Um, so I, I was actually just looking for the multiples. <laughs> I wasn't necessarily trying to teach anyone a lesson, but it ended up kind of having this impact on the people who saved stuff for me. You said something about what plastic is like as a medium and you know, sort of how it appeals to you as an artist. What can you do with plastic that you can't do with other stuff? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I tape it. I hot glue it. I stretch it. I heat shrink it. I... Um, you know, like it, I can like fold it and like the flowers are very like folded and rippled and pulled and stretched in this way. Um, you know, it, it, it can fill a bottle to look like soda. Uh, we can, you know, we built cake, we can like twist it in a way that it looks like icing on the cake. Um, yeah, it, all kinds of ways, you know, probably not all that great for me, <laughs> but yes. At risk of, I don't want to include any spoilers in this for the film part of the exhibition but would you tell people a little bit about what it looks like visually and yeah. a little bit about your puppetry style yeah well I can tell you that all of this stuff in the all of these shelves move and change in this space transforms into a theater um, and there are a couple hidden spaces within the plastic bag store and um, and so the audience will be moving a little bit through the space and um, I use a, a, a puppetry style called tabletop puppetry or boon raku style puppetry. So it takes three puppeteers working together to operate one figure and therefore we're able to create this very realistic movement. Um, and the characters are very relatable in that way. Um, people have a real connection to them. I also use a little bit of shadow puppetry in the show. So when people come, is this a bring your own bag kind of situation? <laughs> Well, I've got lots of bags here. You can't take anything away from the plastic bag store <laughs> yet. <laughs> Robin Frohart, thank you so much for talking with us. The installation's totally amazing. Thanks for having me. The plastic bag store is open now through February 5th on the first level of the 777 building in Ann Arbor. You can find links with more information in our show notes. All right, it is time for a quick break. When we get back, we'll talk about another effort to tackle plastic bag waste by changing state laws. Be right back. Support for Michigan Public's stateside podcast comes from Lake Trust Credit Union, working to empower financial well-being for Michigan consumers, businesses, and communities. Committed to financial solutions and advice to support people and families. More information at laketrust.org. Support for the stateside podcast comes from Kalamazoo College, offering a personalized education that combines critical thinking, curiosity, and creativity. Committed to preparing students for meaningful careers that make a positive impact on the world. More at kzoo.edu. In 2016, Michigan found itself in the national media spotlight. The reason? 
a Republican-led legislature, and then-Governor Rick Snyder, banned municipalities from banning plastic bags. Yes, that's right. A ban on bans on plastic bags. Things have changed, and now Democrats are in charge in Lansing. Among other policies they're eyeing is a repeal of the ban on plastic bag bans. Democratic State Senator Jeff Irwin is among those hoping to trash the policy. So the ban on bans in Michigan, this was something that retailers and restaurants had lobbied for for a while at the Capitol. Can you give us a little brief history about how that all went down? Yeah, that's exactly right. And so over the years, I think as citizens and residents, we've seen more and more plastic pollution and plastic bags have become a larger and larger component of the plastic pollution we see in our parks and on our Great Lakes beaches and in our rivers. And as a result, some local communities were starting to look at uh, some tactics that have been tried around the country and around the world to reduce this pollution, to beautify our waterways, to clean up our Great Lakes beaches, keep our streets clean. And as soon as some communities started looking at things like plastic bag restrictions or regulations or deposits on plastic bags, as soon as some local government started to examine that, uh, the Retailers Association, their lobbying group got together, went to Lansing and asked the Republican legislature for a bill to just prohibit any local governments from considering any of these ideas. This is such an an issue that so many people can get their heads around, partly because it's such an everyday thing. And I I wonder why it has become not just a priority in terms of, you know, Democrats who care about the plastics pollution, but also what do you think it represented for the Republicans who who instituted the ban on bans? Well, I just think it represented their loyalty to industry above the public interest. I mean, here was a situation where as soon as local governments started to contemplate local solutions to a real problem, the industry was able to just go to the legislature and very quickly, very easily get a bill that says local governments aren't allowed to talk about any of this. You know, I was there when it happened. It was very frustrating. There was very little conversation about the unintended impacts of this kind of restriction on local government. There was no interest in talking about whether or not these uh, local regulations on plastic pollution worked, and they do. So that's what I took away from it was this isn't a serious conversation about what's right for the future of Michigan. This is a legislative majority that's been ensconced for so long that they're ready to say how high when industry says jump. Do you think the math has changed? The math has definitely changed. It's the first time we have a Democratic legislative majority in 40 years in Michigan. And I think that's something that is hard for some citizens to grasp because we've had Democratic governors off and on uh, and Republican governors. And so sometimes it seems as though Michigan has been a state with changing control. But the Republicans have had a stranglehold on the Michigan legislature since I was a very small child, since 1983. Now that Democrats have a majority in both chambers, that means that discussions about uh, restoring the authority for local governments to uh, make regulations about plastic pollution. I think that's on the table. And I think there's a lot of other discussions that are on the table as well about pollution that is harder to see. You know, maybe we should hold polluters accountable to clean up their mess and make sure that our water and our air is protected. And I think that this issue of plastic bags is just a signifier for all of those issues. And the fact that we have a new majority means that all those things are on the table and we can start talking seriously again about what does it mean to improve our air quality? What would it mean to really protect the Great Lakes? And how can we make sure that Michigan is a great place to be for the next 50 years, not just the next fiscal year? Just to bring us back to the original case for a moment, and I mean, it's it still remains to be seen. I mean, I believe there are no bills yet, as we're having this conversation, that have yet been introduced to tackle this head on. I feel like uh, some of the agenda momentum is elsewhere at the moment. But 
There are people who have to walk farther distances from Michigan grocery stores. There are people who take the bus or might be disabled who feel like plastic bags are just the better option for them. What is the solution for issues like that that puts an appropriate way to just get groceries home from the store in the hands of the people who need it while doing away with the materials that are doing so much damage right now? Well, look, I think that's one of the reasons why restoring the local authority to make these rules make sense, because then we can have those discussions. We can find out what works in any particular area. We can let the marketplace of ideas uh, move forward. I've heard those concerns from some people, and I think that they're valid. I, you know, I've also heard folks say, well, I love to reuse my plastic bags for you know, kitty litter or small garbage cans or all sorts of things, right? And so people are you know, making use of these. And, and, and certainly it's not my proposal or it hasn't been in the past, my proposal to just outrightly ban any plastic bags in Michigan. Uh, but what we've seen in other places that have had, uh, you know, some additional rules put in place around plastic bags, what you see is that a lot of folks are nudged into making a more environmental decision. So if you allow folks who really need to use this type of you know, packaging to use it, uh, but then you uh, encourage folks to, who don't need it to stop using it, what you find is that you get a big environmental benefit without actually uh, negatively impacting anyone's choices. So that's, I think, the sweet spot that we're aiming for. But in order for us to hit that, we need to get the state government to just get this prohibition out of the way. Do you think we're going to see change on this in the first year of the session? You know, I think it's relatively likely just because I think this is one of a group of issues where the Republicans went out and did something that was straightforwardly anti-local control, anti-local government, and anti-environment. And so, you know, I think that gives it some momentum. I think it's less challenging than some of the other pollution ideas that take on industry and take on, say, maybe auto manufacturers in a more uh, straightforward way. And so, you know, hopefully this will be the kind of thing that my colleagues look at and say, this is something that we can do. This is something that we should do. And it's something that we should uh, move on more quickly because it's really not as complicated as some of these other environmental issues that we deal with here in the Great Lakes State. That's the Stateside Podcast today. I'm April Baer. You can find full Stateside episodes and stream them whenever you want at michiganradio.org. Today's podcast was produced by April Van Buren. Other producers on our show are Mike Blank, Mercedes Mejia, and Ronia Cabansag. Our podcast editor is Rachel Ishikawa. Our executive producer is Laura Weber-Davis. Music from this episode comes from Blue Dot Sessions. Thanks so much for listening. We appreciate having you here. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Rebecca Williams. I'm Lester Graham. We've been working on a big project about Great Lakes birds called the Bird Connection. It will look at ducks and trumpeter swans. Egrets and herons. And piping plovers. Yes! We'll discuss what we've discovered at a Michigan Public Issues and Ale event. Including how some problems for birds are problems for people. It's at Arbor Brewing Company in Ypsilanti the evening of May 21st at 7. You can register at michiganpublic.org.